Good morning. Good morning. Well, before we, uh, before we open up God's Word and get into the subject for today, which is anger, I, uh, I just want to take a minute with you to give a few thoughts uh, about this upcoming election that we have here, uh, just a few weeks, and going back to what I said a couple weeks ago on being salt and light, which God has called us to be, certainly this is, uh, this is an opportunity for us to do that, that very thing as we look ahead for the next several weeks. So here's a few thoughts for you. First of all, it is absolutely essential for all of us to understand in this election, as with all of them, what's at stake? You know, what what's really matters? What is the most important in all of this? And give you three examples. One of the things we need to think about is that whoever becomes our president and vice president, and you can really carry it all the way down, but especially at the very top, issues such as the sanctity of marriage. Uh, really understand what each each person, each individual, each candidate believes about that. And, and the sanctity of life, the protection of, a, of an unborn child's life. Uh, think about that. Be very aware of, of what the positions are. And, and then, you know, one of the things to factor in is the fact that whoever becomes, whoever is our next president, will very likely nominate one or two of Supreme Court justices. And... That, as much as an election, has an impact on the future of our nation because we know that's, a, that's really a lifetime nomination that that person has. So think of all of that. Plan to vote. Vote with biblical intelligence. Understand what's true and what's right as you vote. And then pray your heart out for the next several weeks as we, as we approach that very important day. Uh, as a nation. So I'd like, to, I'd like to just pray first and then we'll, we'll get into, um, into today's subject. Father, we thank you for what we have as a nation. Thank you for the freedom that is ours to select those who lead us. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to take that with a great deal of res uh, sense of responsibility, the privilege that we have, Father, that's so unique in our world. God, I pray that you would, uh, your spirit would, would guide us, help us to, to really think through all of this with, uh, through the truth of your word and allow that to guide us, God, on, on how we vote. Father, we pray for your sovereign will to be done in our nation. We know, Father, that ultimately that's, that's our foundation. That is what we should build our lives on. And we do ask, God, for your mercy. We ask for your Holy Spirit, especially in the lives of believers, to work, Father, to guide us uh, to really be responsible in what we do with this. I pray this for your glory, and in Christ's name, amen. Well, if you were here last Sunday, you know that uh, I mentioned that one of the things that I enjoyed about last, uh, last week's uh, Husker game, notice I'm talking about last week's game, uh, <laughs> The, the thing that, that I, one of the things I enjoyed was texting back and forth with one of our son's friends from, from law school. He lives in Minneapolis, and uh, Troy and I just had a lot of fun giving each other a hard time 
going back and forth. And, and Troy actually uh, sent me a text. I got a text as I was walking into the building last Sunday morning before first service. And then, I, and then when I came out after, he had another text for me. And uh, Troy, Troy just happens to be a Wisconsin fan. That's why we had this thing going back and forth. But he's also a proud father. And so he sent me a picture of his son, Heath. And, uh, and you notice what Heath is wearing? And he said, Heath woke up this morning with a Husker hat on. And I thought that was, that was great. So uh, it might be too late for Troy, but not for Heath. So, uh, okay. Now, really, the reason I mention this on another note is one of the things I'm sure we've all noticed is one of the things you notice uh, at a game like football or, you know, whatever sport, you notice how irrational some of the fans are. You ever notice that? Have you ever wondered why it is that some people praise their team one minute and then the next minute they're cursing them, like cursing them to hell, you know? Uh, I mean, we had a guy like this right behind us at the game last Saturday. Uh, the whole game was a running monologue. Where one minute he was bragging the team and, and the next minute he was tearing them down. I mean, one minute he, he was so happy and then the next minute he was so angry. It's like... Whoa, you know. Some of the stuff he said was a lot like the stuff that Jesus quoted in the passage we come to today, where he dealt with the issue of anger. Knowing that uh, we're going to talk about anger, I, 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 wondered, I, wondered, I wonder if there's anything on Google. I kind of had this little conversation with myself, and it's like, you know, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, have you ever done? There, there's tons of stuff. Most of it, how to deal with anger, how to, how to manage it. You can even go online and, and, and there are tests that you can take to find out if you are an angry person and if you are how angry a person you are. There, there's even a site where people write poems about anger, like this one, for example, I thought was pretty good. Anger fills my heart and soul. Anger takes a mighty toll. Anger lessens but can never leave. Anger you hope to never receive. Pretty good, wouldn't you say? Just somebody writing that and putting that on line. So let's have an honest moment here, okay? Y'all ready for an honest moment? Uh, anyone here ever get, uh, I'd like you to raise your hands with these, okay? Anyone here ever get angry? Raise your hand. Ever? Ever get angry? Okay. Let me, let me ask you this. Anybody been angry in the last month? Raise, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, anybody been angry in the last week? Raise your Yeah. I, I was angry yesterday. You know, one of the things that my pet peeves is when you, you're driving down a two-lane road and you see a sign that says uh, the right lane, for example, is closed. Why is it that some people just like, don't get it. Like, they're the exception to the rule. I, uh, anyway, kind of ticked me off. Anyway, but, so, so now here's a real, real honest moment. Okay? Anybody been angry this morning? Raise your hands. I love it. That's great. Thank you for your honesty. All right. Let me tell you a personal story about a not-so-friendly conversation I had with one of my neighbors. This is not the neighbor with the dogs. This is another neighbor. All right? Um, so let me preface it. I got to set it up for you, okay? So you have a little bit of empathy for me. Uh, I, I always thought that written into our covenants in South Shore Heights, where we live, that you could not park your car on the street. You could you, you, you park it in your garage 
or you park it on, on your, in your driveway, but you don't park on the street. I always thought that we had one of those covenants. So our neighbor directly across from us, his kids are like high school age and college age. They have a three-car garage, and, and uh, the driveway is now completely full of cars. And then about two months ago, uh, another son got a car. And uh, one of the things I noticed right away is that instead of parking in front of uh, their house, parked in front of our house. Now I know you're, gonna, you're going like, I can't believe that he's up, this even bothered him. But, but anyway, so I, I didn't say anything for several weeks. I just kind of saw that car park right in front of our house and, and kind of, you know, bothered me a little bit, but thought, I'm not going to say anything. It's not that big of a deal. But then one day, I don't know if I was just in a bad mood. I don't know what was going on in my, in my brain, but he, you know, he happened to be outside and I was outside and something just, I don't know, clicked. You know, and I, I thought, I'm going to go talk to him about this. So I went over and, and I said, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I think that, that we have written into our covenants that, that you're not supposed to park on the street. You're supposed to park on your driveway or in, in the garage. And, and well, he didn't like that very much. And so he, sa he said to me right away, no, you're, you're wrong. There are no covenants like that. And... So I said, well, okay, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe, you know, and, but I said, well, then, you know, it just seems to me it'd be more appropriate for your son to park in front of your house rather than in front of my house. I know I can't believe I said that, but I did. And, 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 and he didn't like that any more. He didn't like that even less. And so he said, well, you know what? If, 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 if my son wants to park in front of your house, he'll park in front of your house, and if he wants to park in front of our house, my house, he'll park in front of our house. I'll, I'll ask him, he can do whatever he wants to do. Well, that, that did tick me off. And, so, and I can't believe I said this, so I, I said to him, well, then I guess, I guess I won't worry if I'm mowing the grass and my lawnmower shoots a stone into your son's car. <laughs> yeah, I, I said that. Me, I said that. And, and, and so, you know, he, he had one up on me because he knows I'm a pastor. So his parting, his parting shot was, well, that's sure a nice Christian thing to say. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I know. Now, there's an ending to this story, and I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you to the, until we get to the end of the sermon, okay? But right now, I, I just want you to know right up front that I can be as dumb as the next man or woman. Okay, notice I said man or woman, okay? Now, where this gets so serious is when anger rises to the level of hate and destructiveness, which it does all too often. Now, the September 25th issue of Newsweek had this picture as, a, as its cover page and actually became a bit controversial. You heard a lot about it on the news. And here's what's... Here's what's really sad about this. There are people who claim to be Christians who have as much rage in their hearts and show it by what they do and by what they say. And so I, let me show you another picture. That's from a Baptist church in Kansas that goes around the country picketing with such wonderful loving signs. You know, you and I see a picture like that and it emphasizes how 
Critically important is for us to guard our words against anger. It's, it, it's so completely dishonoring to our Savior, and it pushes people away from any hope of them listening to what we have to say to them about our faith in Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I certainly did that with our, with our neighbor. That anger, and i got to tell you how ironic that is. I mean, I've been praying for him for 15 years, and I blow it in one minute. You know? That anger is a major issue to be dealt with is emphasized by the fact that it is the very first thing that Jesus spoke to began, when, when he began to unpack all of what it means for you and I to be salt and light as we live in a corrupted and sin-darkened world. I mean, the very first thing, not the second thing, not the third thing, not the fourth thing. I mean, he even dealt with this before. He dealt with the issue of sexual purity. which Jeff is going to talk about, and just, just a side thing to give you a heads up. As parents, if, you, uh, if it's normal for you to bring your children into worship, uh, just, you know, you need to, that may be just exactly the right thing for you to do, bring them in next Sunday, or you may just want a heads up and you might say, I'm not, maybe not, okay? What we're talking about this minute, this morning, is we, we can't miss it, everybody. Of all the things that you and I might have thought that Jesus would speak to first, it's anger. It's anger, and the, and the words that, that you and I speak out of anger that, that our Lord faces us with first. And, and, and I'm guessing that if you've ever been on the receiving end of somebody else's angry words, you would say, I'm not surprised, I can understand why he would talk about that first. I, I'm sure we've all heard the childhood mantra, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is about as untrue a statement as you're going to ever find anywhere. The truth is, sticks and stones may bruise our bones for days and weeks, but, but words can rip apart our soul for years and even decades. Words, what we say and how we say them, have huge power. They can hurt us deeply be terribly destructive, or they can help us, they can inspire us and transform us and build us and lift us up. I mean, Solomon was absolutely right when he wrote about this in the book of Proverbs when he said, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue, the, the words we speak can be life-giving or they can be life-taking. They're that powerful. They can, they can give life and they can destroy life. In the verses we come to today, Jesus is talking about the latter of the two. He's talking about words of anger that destroy. What I'd like to call today toxic words. And, you know, you, you see a definition of toxic and you, you can understand... Why is the right description of, 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 of words of anger, for words of anger? It's toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. There's anything that causes sickness of the soul that can destroy a human life as much as death itself. It's toxic words of anger. It's like shooting a poisonous arrow at someone. 
Words can be like that, and we're all capable of, 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 of shooting those toxic words of anger at, a, at another person. And, and when, when we do, they, they penetrate, and the poison of what we said seeps throughout their soul. Well, Jesus had, had two things to say about this in today's passage. The first one is the peril of anger how dangerous it really is. And the second one is need for reconciliation. We're going to look at both of those, but let me say this before we begin, okay? Because I, I want this to be a hope-filled message. If, if you're here today and, and you would say to me, if we could have a conversation, you would say, you know, Steve, Anger is a, is a real struggle in my life. You, you, you know, if you would say that about yourself, please hear me out on this, okay? I am so glad that it's Jesus Christ who is speaking to this issue of anger. Because no matter how much you and I might struggle with anger or with every other issue that he brings up in this sermon that he speaks to, it's our, our Lord Jesus Christ has the power you and I need to change. The, the power to change your heart, my heart, and the power that you and I need to do what's right. And so just understand, what I'm talking about this, this morning, don't feel desperate. Don't feel like, well, there's no hope because in Christ there's total hope. Okay? Okay, let's look at the peril of anger. Verse 21, verse 22. Let's, listen to this. You have heard there was said to people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. I mean, I'd say that sounds pretty ominous, wouldn't you? One of the verses we looked at last Sunday is verse 20, where Jesus made it very clear that our righteousness must go beyond that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And he, he said this because what these men did with the, with the Old Testament scripture was obey what they wanted to obey and disobey what they wanted to obey. You see, instead of submitting to the authority of God's word, what we talked about last Sunday, they, they played with it to make it what they wanted to be. And, and, and bottom line for these men is that it was all about them. It was not about God. And, 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 and what we're going to see throughout this sermon is Jesus be unpacking how these guys did this by giving one example after another. And today we begin with what they did with anger. You see, while these religious leaders had no problem with the six of God's commands that you and I should not murder, evidently they had a huge problem with anger. There, there were a lot of people that they were angry toward. And, and, and with this anger, they, they had a deep-seated contempt for anyone they considered below them. And if, if you know anything about these guys, there were a whole lot of people below them, they thought below them. They were angry men. Which is why Jesus phrased it the way he did in addressing this whole issue of anger. Notice this, in, again, verse 21. There, there's a couple phrases there that just jump out. He, he began by saying, you have heard that it was said. 
You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But, but then notice how he said it next. He said, but I tell you, I tell you, that whoever is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Jesus isn't disagreeing with the sixth command. What he's doing is he's taking it deeper to what it is that causes another person to murder somebody, and, and, and what it is is anger. And he's, he's saying that anger is no less evil than murder itself, proven by the fact that anger makes us liable to the judgment of God as much as murder does. If that doesn't get our attention, if that doesn't cause us to sit up and take notice, honestly, I, I don't know what does. It's clear, it's very clear, anger is no small deal to God. It's a huge deal to God. And, 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 and here's the deal, everybody. If you and I do not understand this, if we don't believe this, if we, if we don't understand how big a deal it is with God, then what we're going to do is we're just going to scoot right around it. We're just not going to deal with it. We'll just make excuses. By the way, so there's no, mis no misunderstanding. The anger Jesus is talking about isn't the spontaneous emotion that we feel when we see one person harm another person. It's not that. It's the kind of anger that lashes out against another person. It's this kind of toxic anger Jesus is speaking against. Anger that's dangerous and damaging. Anger that des destroys another person emotionally. And he gives, he gives us two examples of how he's heard this anger directed at people. Okay, Verse 22. He said, again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the Supreme Court of Israel, okay? And then he said, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Raka is an Aramaic word for, that literally means stupid. It, 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 it's, basically saying, it's basically saying, you idiot. I read that and I thought, boy, I'm glad I've never said that. Anybody ever say that? I, mean, I said it yesterday to that driver who cut, you know. Couldn't believe it. I had just gone through this sermon. Just gone through this sermon. And I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> how human am I, you know? But how wrong. What about you fool? You fool. You, do, you, do, you, do you want to know what Dallas Willard says is the modern equivalent of this? I don't know if you know anything about Dallas Willard, but he's, he, he's a gentleman in his 70s. He's, he's very intellectual. He's written some of the best books you can, you can read. Um, I mean, highly respected. So do you want to know what he says is the modern equivalent of, of that? Um, do you? Tell me. Okay. okay, before I tell you, I've got to tell you this. I love being a pastor, okay? I love being able to preach. And if I said it the way Dallas Willard said it, it might be my last Sunday preaching. So I'm just going to do it this way. I think you'll figure it out. Put it up on PowerPoint. 
Ja. Ja. The deal with this, everyone, you and I, you and I could substitute any word or phrase that is equally effective at tearing down and destroying another person. I mean, there, there's lots of different ways of saying exactly the same kind of a thing to somebody. Another little story. I told this one a few years ago. Must have been another sermon on anger. Rob remembered it. I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. Went to a church that was as Republican as Republican could get. It was back when Richard Nixon and, and John Kennedy were running against each other to be president. And I got, as a little grade school kid, I got in an argument with one of the girls who went to our church who I found out her father was going to vote for John Kennedy and I knew my dad was going to vote for Richard Nixon. And we got into this argument about this, you know, uh, you know and, 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 and I actually said to her, well, you're a fool. And her comeback was so good. She knew the Bible. She said to me, she quoted Jesus, and she said, well, you're going to go to hell because you said that. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh, we can't afford to miss this, everybody. We can't afford to miss it. God takes anger toward another person and words that come with that anger very seriously. So seriously that if it's a part of our life and we're unwilling to change, we're unwilling to give up that anger, Jesus said, you and I, are in, we're in danger of, of eternal hell itself. See, God, God, God feels so strongly about it because God knows how much anger damages another person, how much angry words hurt. So, so what should you and I do to break this pattern of anger in our life if, if we've got that kind of a pattern? What is it that we got to do? Well, Jesus tells us what we got to do is reconcile. We got to reconcile with people we've been angry toward. Look at, look at how he said this, verse 23. He said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I'm just going to cut right to the chase with this one. Okay? You and I could just be doing anything and everything for God. We could be serving God. We could be giving to God. We could be worshiping God day after day, week after week. We could do that for a lifetime. But if you and I... If, if we are an angry person who's constantly throwing out angry, angry words at other people and we're not willing to change, you know what? We'll come to the end of our life and we will have wasted a lifetime. We're going we're gonna to take communion in a few minutes here, everybody. And I'm just going to give you a very quick application of this. If you know, as you think back and you know that there is somebody that you have thrown out angry words against and you have never gone to that person and asked their forgiveness, you know what I want to strongly encourage you this morning to do? Do not take communion today. Wait until next month. Wait until you've gone to that person and you've confessed 
your anger toward them and your angry words. And, and, and you, might, you might be saying to yourself right now, well, I, ha I had a right to be angry. And I just got to tell you, no, you don't. Okay? So, if you need to do this and you're wondering how urgent it is for you to do it, Jesus uses the example of a lawsuit to answer your question. So, Look at this, verse 25, he said, settle matters quickly. I want, you, I want you to think if you can guess what the key word is here, okay? Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you're not going to get out until you have paid the last penny. Any, any guesses on what the key word there is that tells us how soon we should do something like that? What did Jesus say? Quickly. It's like yesterday. It's like, you can't be, possibly do it fast enough. It's like, no delay. Or, or our way of saying it today is ASAP, right? As soon as possible. Well, why? Because the longer you wait, the greater opportunity you give Satan to do damage to your words. Paul said it this way in his letter to the Ephesians. He said, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's one of the best pieces of advice that the pastor who married Becky and I 40 years ago gave to us. He said, do not, let, do not let one day go into another day without resolving any anger that you might have toward each other. Well, remember my not-too-good conversation that I had with my neighbor? Here's the rest of the story, Okay. Speaking of ASAP, I knew that I needed to apologize as soon as I could. And I would have done it that very day. But you know what? Within a half an hour of me saying that thing to him that I said, that was just so rude and wrong for me to say, within a half an hour, they had left for vacation. And so I had to wait until they got back. And I waited. And as soon as I realized they were home... I went across the street, I went to their house, I rang the doorbell, the dad answered the phone, or the, answered the door, opened the door, and, and I just said to him, man, I am, I'm so sorry, Jeff. That was so uncalled for, what I said to you a week ago. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Going back to what I said earlier about the power of the words we use, that they can be life-giving or life-taking. What Solomon so wisely pointed out with the statement, the tongue has the power of life and death. I just want to give you, I want to give you two final encouragements on what to do. And the first one is this, okay? Boy, if you, this is the most important part right here, okay? Speak life-giving words to others every chance you've got. Here's a great rule to live by, everybody. Whenever you think something good, say it. Anytime, every time, say it. Give, give life to it. Do not hold it back. Say those life-giving words to others as often as you can. You know, I believe in you. I'm massively proud of you. You're the best of the best. You knocked it out of the park today. And boy, I tell you what, 
especially with your kids, especially with the person you're married to if you're married. Say these kind of things. Write it in a note. Send an email. Send a text. I mean, i got to tell you, everybody, Becky and I have great texts. You know? Text. Hey. Okay. I mean, I wish I could show you our phones. Our texting back and forth. Statements like, I can't tell you how much I love you. I'm crazy in love with you. I'd marry you a thousand times over. In fact, in fact, and I shared it first service, I'll share it this service. I can be really dumb with this sometimes. So I did one the other day, Saturday, yesterday. I was here at the office and and I'm um, always thinking about the next meal, you know. And so Becky had made this great bean dish, all different kinds of beans and hamburger in it and for dinner. And uh, like the night before, I think Friday or Thursday. And so I was just wondering, is there any of that bean dish left, you know, or is it still good? So I sent her a text, you know, uh, is, is the bean dish still good? And she sent a text back saying, it's super great. And then I sent a text back to her saying, you the great dish. Yeah, I know it's dumb. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're just putting it all out here, okay? So, now. Isn't that romantic? I'm so romantic. Yeah, okay. Now, now seriously. Okay? You have a marriage that's not going well. I can guarantee you that you have more toxic words between you than life-giving words. Those little jabs, bullets with humor wrapped around them, and almost every one of them come from unresolved anger. And, 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 and I just want to add this very quickly. So when you hear me say that, don't go home and say to the person you're married to, see, I told you, you're nothing but toxic. <laughs> don't do that. And then this, and i got to do this quickly. Guard your heart against toxic words. Guard your heart. You see, we can't control what other people say, but we can control what we believe. We, we can't control what someone says to us or about us, but we can control what we meditate on and what we allow into our hearts. Solomon in the fourth chapter of Proverbs, I mean, it's a, it's a meaningful chapter about a father imparting Wisdom to his son through life-giving words. And here's what he said. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart against toxic, angry words. Don't let them in. You see, you are who God says you are. You're not the sum total words spoken by faulty men. Guard your heart against those toxic words of anger. You know, last year we did a series in Ephesians called The Masterpiece, and we called it The Masterpiece because it came from this verse in Ephesians 2.10 where God tells us what we are, this statement for, we are God's workmanship, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, friend, if out of anger someone, someone says you're a piece of trash, say to yourself, no, I'm not. I'm a masterpiece. I'm, I'm loved by God and I'm redeemed by Christ Jesus. I've been created and redeemed by God to be and to do the best.
Now, say, yeah, absolutely. One final thought. And I can't miss, I got to say this. If you're here today and you would say, boy, anger's a major struggle for me, Steve. I'm an angry person and it comes out all of the time. And I mean, Steve, it's out of control for me and I need help. I need it desperately. And I want to assure you, we want to help you as a church. I want to help you. Our staff wants to help you. And so let one of our staff know what's happening in your life, you know. And, 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 and we're not going to think less of you. We'll be proud of you for coming out front and talking, you know, really bringing it out and talking about it. Or, or if you're in a life group, talk to, some, talk to your life group about it or talk to a good friend you can trust about it. You know, so important to get the help you need. We're going to take communion this morning. And uh, before we do that, I want to I pray for you. And, and so, because I want this to be a very private moment, I'm going to ask everybody if you would bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And, 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 and I just want to say this, okay, to help us prepare for communion today. Hey, everybody, please. Thanks. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Perhaps you're here today and you're the victim of of angry words. Someone has said something to you, perhaps it could be way in the past, it could be as recent as last week, has said angry things to you and you've internalized it and you, you're, you're carrying a wound. Your, your soul has been bruised by hurtful words and if, if that's you, I'd like to just ask you, you know, because I want to pray for you, lift your hand, you know, lift a hand, lift your hand right now. Okay, great. Others of you would say, well, Steve, you know what? I'm the offender. Even this week, I've spoken some reckless, angry, hurtful words. I've spoken toxic words even to people I love. And if that is you, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I mean, that's, it takes courage. But I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Thanks for raising those hands, everybody. Father, I pray right now for every person who raised their hand. For those who fall into the flesh and let the tongue do harm, we, we ask forgiveness for every angry word spoken. And God, give us the self-discipline to bite our tongue and, and, and not to speak any words that hurt. And, and God, help us every time, every time we think something good, help us to say it. And Father, for those who are carrying a wound, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will set them free. Help them to understand that they are not who others say they are when those things are said in anger. They are who you say they are. Give them the strength to forgive and let the poison out of their heart and replace it, God, replace it with your truth. In Christ's name, amen.